Hi, I'm Lydia and you're listening to Psychic-ish, the podcast where I just talk about the weird psychic things that happen to me and overthink them out loud. Enjoy! So in today's episode, I do have to issue a trigger warning. The episode does contain themes surrounding gun violence. So if that's not a bit of you, maybe give this one a skip. Now, if you're wondering where on earth this episode is going to go, just in its pure, pure essence, it's about how I believe my granddad, who you haven't heard about yet, may have protected me from a potentially terrifying situation. Let's just get straight into it, yeah? Um, where do I even start? Okay, so. (laughs) There's so many layers to this. I'm like, oh, I should start here. Oh no, but this happened. Oh no, but this happened. So I've never talked to you about my granddad. And there's a reason for that. And I don't want to get Terry. He's my fate. He was my favorite person like in this entire world. He was the smartest person I've ever met. He would read National Geographics and remember everything that was in them. And we'd always go around to my nana and granddad's for a Friday roast. And My mum's side of the family is super charismatic. There's always something going on. There's always some gossip to chat about. And my granddad would just kind of have two seats in the house. He'd either have his seat next to the TV, which he'd have enragingly loud because (laughs) he couldn't hear very well. And then he'd have his seat at the dining table where he'd always sit at the head of the table for dinner. And I'd always sit on his right. And I loved that because all the chatter would be going on and he'd just sit there silently. And I remember from a really young age, just looking around and being like, how is no one talking to my granddad? Like he's the most interesting person. He sees all this stuff and everyone's just talking about stuff that doesn't mean anything. Like they're talking about silly neighborhood gossip when he's out here, you know, talking me through the details of Tutankhamun's tomb and things like that, you know? So I'd just always sit next to my granddad and listen. Like he'd just have the most incredible stories and and I'd listen to him. And he really showed an interest in my schooling and my education. And he was a real, um, he just had like this really big impact on me growing up. He, He was like a constant in a life that was like a little bit chaotic for a young child at the time. And um, there were lots of times where, because my mum was a single mum, I'd go and stay with my nana and granddad during school holidays. So I spent a lot of time with them. And like, I'm just thinking back to like sitting at the dinner table and my granddad was really like me in the sense of like, he didn't like his food touching on his plate. So we'd kind of be sitting there and like 
have our food in little sections on our plate and then if we're going to have ice cream with like lemon souffle after dinner that my nana made he'd kind of get his ice cream and with the bottom side of the spoon he'd just like mash it down kind of until it had like this really nice kind of whipped texture and I remember copying him one day and just like I've never eaten ice cream a different way since I do it every time and I don't know you know sometimes when like you just don't really feel like you fit in with your family just in terms of personality like I love my family to bits and they love me back but everyone was super outgoing and I was really shy and introverted and he was too and so there was just like this really special relationship there um this is why I don't talk about him because it's just too hard um so he passed away in 2009 when I was 14 was I just gonna do some quick math I was 15 and he also um, he also had like this really big interest in native plants to New Zealand and botany. He, he worked in the forestry for a little bit and I remember my mum taking me home from school or she, she, she got me, she took me out of class well actually no the deputy principal got me out of class and took me to her office and my mum was there and I just like I knew what I did and um we leave school and immediately she gets a call from her brother so we pull over to the side of the road like we're still outside our school and it's Auckland it's a warm day and I have my window half open I'm in the passenger side And I'm just sitting there, like, trying to process what's happened. You know, like, your favorite person in the world you're not going to see anymore. Um, And um, as my mum was talking to her brother, this leaf just shot through the window and landed on my lap. And it was a native leaf. And there was no wind. There was no wind. And I didn't say anything, but I put it on the ground on my feet and we just went to my nana's house and it's never talked about. And about two weeks go by and um, I think we were walking around Cornwall Park and we came back to the car and there was just a leaf sitting on the windshield and my mum was just like, look, Lydia. And I was like, what? She's like, it's a leaf. And I said to her, I was like, do you think it's granddad? And she said, well, you remember the day he passed away. There was no wind that day. And that leaf shot through the window and onto your lap in the car. And I was like, you saw that? And she said, yeah. And she showed me that she had saved the leaf and put it into a little compartment in the car that like, maybe it was for coins or something was in between both the passenger and driver's seat and you'd you'd press it and open it and um and the leaf was just sitting there and that leaf stayed there until one day I by accident crashed my mum's car and rode it off (laughs) 
was so bad. It was like the last day of school holidays in year 13. And I just wanted to drive in and give my mum a treat, take her a muffin and a coffee. And someone on Renewer Road was stopped at a green light. And I don't know what I was doing, but I was only going 30 k's and I crashed into the back of them and (laughs) went into shock. Anyway, so a leaf has kind of been like a bit of a symbol for us and like our whole family ever since my granddad passed. And I remember sitting my restricted driver's license, which in New Zealand is where you've been a learner for a while. So you could drive around with someone in the car with you that already had a driver's license for more than three years or something. And then after 18 months, you'd sit your restricted license, which meant that you could drive on your own until about 10 o'clock at night or something. And then you'd sit your full license after that. And away you went. Um, And I was quite nervous to sit this test. And anyway, happened. And we were driving down to Tauranga um, for school holidays again immediately after. And I remember my mum getting in the car and like we both looked down, or maybe I looked down, I don't know, but we saw that the little compartment that had my granddad's leaf in it, the top was popped open. So like it was just sitting there and it just felt like he was there with me, you know, like he was proud. Um, this, is, this is why I don't talk about him. There's so much more to say, but like, I don't know. I think that's just something that I can keep for me. Um, anyway, this is the biggest preamble. We haven't even gotten to the story yet. I just needed you to see the significance of the leaf. Oh, and like another scenario is when Dan, my boyfriend, met my brother-in-law for the first time. All us girls were going to a baby shower and they went to have brunch together. And Dan told me that a few minutes into them sitting down, a leaf fell from above and fell in between them on the table. <laughs> okay, I need to stop talking about this. <laughs> that mean a lot to me, obviously, because like, to me, it just means he approves, you know, of both of them. <laughs> Okay, so, gosh, so a few weeks ago, Dan and I just went to the lake, and we got there, put our bags down, and I saw on my bag that there was just a leaf sitting on there, and I was like, oh, granddad's here, so I took a photo, sent it to the family WhatsApp chat, then about 10 minutes later, there was this great Dane that came and was like playing around the park. I'd never seen a Great Dane in my life before. The only reason I knew about them was because mum always told me growing up that my granddad grew up with a Great Dane. So I'd never seen them before. And I was like, what? This is the first time I've seen one. And like, I just saw this leaf. And then right in the background, there was this woman sitting with her husband. They were quite elderly and just, I could tell it wasn't my granddad, but he was just wearing very similar clothes to what my granddad would have had on, you know, day to day. So I had like these three signs that my granddad was kind of around and I was super, super happy. And so I 
took the leaf home with me, of course, and put it on our little windowsill here. And I used to have, like when we first moved here, I bought like four crystals with me from overseas, um, from overseas, from New Zealand. One was like rose quartz, amethyst for protection. And then another was like a lapis lazuli, which I think helps the throat chakra, which I actually use for the podcast to help me talk. And then some other one. But over time, they've all fallen off the windowsill. So I don't have them up there. I'm just like, okay, they don't need to be there. And I remember like I'd packed up everything in my room to move. And I found in my backpack, like this little crystal. I can't remember buying it. I've got it here just a second. And it was still in its little packet. And it was called Cryopraise. And the first day we got here, I had it on the windowsill, but it got knocked down between like the bedside table and the wall. And so I just thought, okay, I don't need that right now. You know, I'm just going to leave it. Maybe I'll leave it there for the next person that lives here to discover. Maybe they need it more than me. And off we go. It was two months ago. Going back to last week and, and bringing that leaf home from the lake, I put that leaf on the windowsill here. And I went out of the house and came back and it had fallen off. It had fallen off the windowsill and onto the ground. And so I put the leaf back up to where it was. I put it closer to the like wall side of the window so that maybe it wouldn't get blown off again. Because there is no wind here again. Like it's very still in Whistler. And um, I come back after being out of the house for the second time. and. It had fallen again. And I was looking around. I was like, where could this have gone? Because we're in a really small room here. It's just bed, bedside table, wall. So I looked down between the bedside table and the wall. And it was down there. And it was resting on that crystal that had fallen down a few months before. And so part of me was just like, huh, okay. Maybe this is granddad telling me I need this crystal now. And so I put it in my pocket. And... Dan and I went off for a little hike. We went up to see a waterfall, which was beautiful. And I like to like cleanse my crystals and cleanse any energy from other people that might be on there. Quick shout out to episode 16, where I definitely had other people's energies and the crystal I touched. Um, but I like to do it in like fresh running water. So preferably the sea or a waterfall would be even better. So I brought this stone with me in my pocket and I washed it there. I even asked Dan to take a photo of me washing it so I can put that on my Instagram and put it in my pocket. Didn't think anything of it. At this point, I like what I do with crystals is I never read what their properties are for. I just I just feel like when I'm drawn to one, I need it. And then a few weeks later, I'll look at its meaning and be like, huh, that makes sense. Because I just like that. Like I think that brings more confirmation for me that like I did need the crystal at the time, as opposed to like confirmation bias. If that makes sense, like, oh yeah, I needed the rose quartz when I was feeling really down and insecure one day. And so I put it in my pocket. Like, you know, I'd rather not know the meaning of the crystal and know later that it was really meant for me in that moment than being aware of it in that moment. And I don't know if that makes me a little bit weird, but I do think that's my little skeptical side coming through as well. 
like if I knew what the crystal was for, then maybe I'd kind of talk myself out of the chance of it all or the magic of it all. I don't know. Anyway, the next day, I have that in my pocket now and I'm just taking it around with me. And my flatmates, the two people that I live with, and Dan and I all plan to go up the gondola in Whistler. So it's a big attraction here. You take the gondola up Whistler Mountain right to the top. And then there's another gondola called Peak to Peak, which (laughs) is exactly as it sounds. It goes from the top of Whistler Peak across a valley to Blackcomb Peak. And then you go down the gondola down Blackcomb. So I'll put a photo of that up as well. It terrified me. I don't like heights and I don't like small spaces. And the fact of being like suspended between two mountains, like it just, I was shitting myself. I'm not going to lie. I like, even to the point where on the way up, I was like walking there with Dan, like we're meeting the others, like we're meeting them at the line of the gondola. And, um, and I'd like picked all these fights with him on the way up because I was so anxious. And I was like, sorry, sorry, like this is happening. I'm just really anxious. And, but, and then, but, and then I'd still just like pick all these fights. Anyway, we get there and it's just like this beautiful sunny day and Whistler is bustling. Like there are so many people around. The line for the gondola is in the heart of the village square and it's a resort town, so there's tourists around all the time. And we get there, I get my pass, and the lady that was getting me my pass said that we should actually go up Blackcomb side and come across and come down Whistler, because you can go anyway, um, because it might be less busy that way. There were so many people there that it might be quicker for us just to go and do it from that side. But we'd wanted to check out a market on Blackcomb after the whole thing. We were meeting people at the market. So it just made more sense to us to just wait in the line and, you know, go up the way everyone else was going up. Also, by the time you walked over to Blackcomb, it was kind of like a 15 minute walk, 20 minute walk. So we'd probably be in the gondola by then anyway, right? You're probably wondering where this is all going. It's going somewhere, I promise. So we're in the line. I really needed the bathroom. So I ran off to some public bathroom about two minutes away. I go back and like we're in the line and we're just talking about how nice this is because Dan's working from home. The other two are working in other places in Whistler and we're never all together. We're always all separate off doing things on our own. And it was just really nice for us all to spend some time together again. And I just kind of have this moment where I look around and I look at the sky and it's a really beautiful sunny day and there's just people everywhere. There's tourists everywhere. And I blame Wellington for this thinking because whenever there was a big earthquake in Wellington, it always happened on a really still, sunny, warm day. And Still days in Wellington are very rare because it's such a windy city. So I grew to be super suspicious and on edge on any day of that kind in Wellington. I just think that an earthquake would come. And so I kind of looked around and I 
If I was in Wellington at this time, I would have thought that an earthquake was going to happen that day. But a different intrusive thought came through. And that was that this sounds awful. But I was surprised that Whistler hadn't been setting for a terrorist attack yet because it's so well known to be a tourist city. There's so many young families around. There's always something going on. And I remember thinking that, like, if something were to happen, it would happen on a day like today. So this was on the 24th of July. We get up on the gondola. We're only in the line for about five minutes. Like we're really, really lucky. We thought the line was going to take a lot longer. And we're about five minutes up the mountain and the gondola just stops. And the three others that I'm with just take the opportunity to scare me, right? Because I was the only one that was scared. I didn't like the heights. I didn't like the small spaces. They were saying, you know, that maybe something got stuck. Just all these different things to kind of scare me, right? And it was a bit of a joke. It was hilarious for them. And then I said something like, oh, maybe do you think someone's had a heart attack? And then uh, then they kind of say, like, oh, it's a bit deep, Lydia, like, let's not go there. I'm always the person that takes things like a step too far, you know? And this was just one of those times. But then, like, my boyfriend and I spotted something next to the golf course because you can see everything already. You can see the whole of Whistler. Whistler's really small. And we could see all the smoke. And we're just like, oh, my gosh, do you see that fire? And, oh, no, maybe this was before we stopped. I think it was before we stopped that Dan and I saw this fire and it was very much like just on the edge of the golf course and it was just like these plumes of black smoke going up like it looked like a house was on fire and we were trying to show the others where it was they couldn't really see it and then we get to a point where the view of it's kind of obstructed there's trees there's pine trees in the way and then the gondola stops so we were also talking about like the reasons for the fire because, you know, you don't really hear of anything happening in Whistler. And then about like 10 to 15 minutes go by and the others are just like, you know, this is a long time to be stopped in a gondola. They thought maybe someone's bike had gotten stuck or something like that, but we realized it was a very long time. And I think maybe we'll stop there for about 20, 25 minutes. And then we just start going again. Everything's fine. Dan and I point out the fire to the other two and they get to see it and all is well. And then we get to the top. So I think the whole thing itself would have been like a 15 minute ride, perhaps. And just before we hit the top, one of our flatmates gets a call from one of the people we were meeting at the market down on black comb after we'd come down the other side and we just hear him saying oh are you okay and then his face kind of drops and 
he's just like, well, are you, are you okay? And the, the tone just kind of changes. This guy who's on the phone, my flatmate, is a real jokester. So we kind of all thought he was just kidding around, but then you could tell something serious had happened. And he gets off the phone and he says, there's been a shooting in the village. And we all are just like, what? <laughs> um, but when we were stopped on the gondola, like five minutes after taking off, there'd been a shooting. Reports were saying that it was by the gondola line. And we brought up images of the webcams of Whistler Village because you can see them, you know, for snow reports or bike reports just to see what the lift line is like. And the place was deserted. Everyone, like if you're thinking of all the people that come here to mountain bike with like their $20,000 bikes, their bikes were just abandoned. Like there were bikes everywhere and just no one to be seen. So... We get to the top and we're just like, okay, the safest thing for us right now is just to get across to Blackcomb Peak, go down there. Our friend was going to pick us up and we're just going to leave Whistler for the day because no one wanted to be around. Um, The police had shut down the city and told everyone to stay inside. So we're, we're going across and the girl that I live with and I were just talking about how lucky we were. Like, I remember just saying, because the boys weren't really into thinking things through too much, but she and I were just sitting there being like, we are so lucky. Like, how lucky were we that the timing of everything, we didn't see the mayhem, we didn't hear the gunshots. The timing was just so lucky. Even the fact that we were all together, because usually we're all separated the fact that I'd gone away to go to the bathroom and then jump back in the line, like I feel so lucky that it didn't happen while I was separated from everyone else and that I didn't have to go and duck for cover and not know what to do. Like I'm from New Zealand where this doesn't happen. I wouldn't know what to do if there was a shooting. (laughs) Fuck. All right. I just forgot to, I forgot an entire element to this whole thing, but it doesn't really tie in. It's just a coincidence, right? From the few weeks leading up to moving, I was having reoccurring dreams of walking down Wellington's main streets and there being active shooters. And the dreams started with there being about one shooter and I would always get shot. Like I'd try and run away. They'd shoot people around me. I'd realize what was going on. I'd turn and run and I'd get shot and the dream would stop. And then it turned into like almost like video game like dreams where every street you turned, there was a shooter. <laughs> so you, the dream was just like continuing on. I remember my mum being with me in one of them and just like, trying to get my mum undercover but then you'd turn another corner and there'd be another shooter like I was just having heaps of shooting dreams and I'd told uh, Dan at the time and it was obviously like just a fear thing like moving over to North America there's so many shootings that are in the news worldwide it's just that so yeah it doesn't help that that's just something that has been like kind of in front of mind quite often during the lead up 
I was meant to say that at the beginning, but I don't know how to tie that in. So sorry, I'm not the best storyteller. I'm trying to learn, okay? Anyway, back to what was happening. My flatmate and I, the female flatmate, were just, again, like, we just couldn't believe how lucky we were. And we kept on saying, like, we're so lucky. We're so lucky. And halfway through the peak-to-peak gondola, so we're suspended between the two mountains, so high up, like, we're in the middle of the air. It's not even like we're near mountains, but there's some, like, air gaps with the windows and the gondola. And this ladybug has flown in and landed on my flatmate. And we both see it. And we're just like, what? And then it flies onto the window of the gondola and just stays there. And she was like, Lydia, what do ladybirds mean? Like in terms of a sign, like what do ladybirds mean? And I was like, I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up later. And she was just like, we're so protected we must be so protected right now and I was like yeah like someone's definitely looking out for us we're so lucky the gondola gets off we're at the top of Blackcomb Mountain I'm shaken I'm not gonna lie like my boyfriend was kind of telling me there was nothing to worry about but it it's a really scary scenario to be in and also just like the feeling of being so close to being in a traumatic situation like I was I was really grateful but then I was also like really terrified for anyone that was affected like so many young families like there would have been kids having to run for cover like it just that just wasn't sitting well with me and I mean, we're just, we're looking over the mountaintops. It's just like this beautiful scenescape. And my flatmates wanted a picture. They're a gorgeous little photogenic married couple they are. And so I took a picture of them. And then we all just start to call our families because we didn't know if the news would break in New Zealand or we just didn't want them to worry. And the male flatmate who first received the call, he was the first to go on the phone and he was just talking to his parents. And out of nowhere, a ladybug lands on his thigh. And my female flatmate saw and I saw and we just locked eyes and we're like, what does this mean? Because we're at the top of a snowy mountain. I do not know of ladybirds. Like maybe it's a known thing that they are kind of around there, but like there's no trees around, but there's still snow up there. Anyway, I took a photo of the ladybird as well. So, or or the one in the gondola, not the one that landed on his leg. But yeah, we kind of just put that to the back of our minds and we're like, I said to myself, like, oh, I'll look up the meaning. But I just kind of forgot about it with just like a rush of everything. Um, So after we all talked to our family, we went down the gondola from Blackcomb and then just got picked up by our friend and drove out of Whistler for the rest of the day. And we just had like a really nice time spending time with, you know, lovely people. We went to a lake and just swam and sat in the heat. And I was going to stay home. I didn't know if I'd have enough energy, just like concussion recovery wise. But I didn't want to stay at home alone with my thoughts And I'm glad I didn't, like it was just nice to be with people, it's like an easy distraction, everyone was afraid, so we just wanted to keep each other safe, you know, and yeah, it was weirdly like a really lovely afternoon, like something that I'll remember for a really 
really long time. Anyway, the next day, I was taking off my little fanny pack because <laughs> I'd bought one for um <laughs> i bought one while I was here. And plus, apparently they're fashionable now, you know. I'm so out of touch with all that stuff. But I've been wearing one. It's super handy. And I'd had the little crystal from the day before at the falls where I'd cleansed it and just like a rose quartz in there, which kind of like my one size fits all in terms of crystals, right? Like I always have that one on me, even though I'm not a big crystal person. I just have that one on me. Just, you know, it helps me with my anxiety, actually. Um... Oh, that's why I was having it. I was holding it while I was on the gondola. Like I was sweating and it was like slipping out of my hand. And I was like, calm me down, calm me down. And this poor little crystal is probably like, there's only so much I can do. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, I come home and I see like the little packet of the crystal from the day before. Uh that has like its little meaning encased in it. And it's right next to the leaf that I'd found on my beach bag, the lake. And I just decide to look at its meaning because I'm just like, maybe this has something to do with what happened today. And it says, cry, chrysoprase, the lucky stone. Intuitive and spiritual sources recommend to lift emotions, banish greed, envy, selfishness, tension and stress. It is a lucky stone. It was worn as an amulet of protection during the 13th century. Today it is utilized as a shield of protection from negativity. It is said to be a healer of a broken heart, enabling one to understand the patterns of growth. So it's a lucky stone. And I know like the meaning of it there, like doesn't actually kind of sound like it's just meant for luck, but at that moment in time, like I'd use the word luck in that one day so many times just saying how lucky we were to have missed the mayhem. I, um, my eyes just got drawn to it as a lucky stone and, like, that was all the confirmation I needed that, like, my granddad was sending me a bit of luck, you know? I don't know. Anyway, while we were, like, on the way leaving Whistler area in the car, We like got to chatting about what happened and like chatting about the fire. And Dan was kind of saying like, oh, I really think it's linked. And I was like, oh, I'm not too sure. Like, I don't like, why would a fire be linked? So Dan was saying there were two reasons that this fire on the side of the golf course could have been linked. And you see like it could have been started to distract the police and pull them away from the village so that the shooting could be done and then an escape could be made or it could have been like a getaway car and the car was rented under a fake name and you know they did their shooting and then lit the car on fire to get rid of any evidence 
And I don't know, I was still skeptical about that. I was like, you know what, I, I just think it's a coincidence. We're in 34 degree heat. There's a high risk of fires, you know, like appreciate where you're coming from, but I don't think there's that much to it. And then the friend that was driving us was like, oh no, it's confirmed that they're linked. And I was like, oh, okay, like dumb little New Zealander, <laughs> you know, just not realizing like what goes into a crime. Um, so... I mean, that's just another little scary element to it. Um, but the next day, I realized that I hadn't actually looked up the meaning of a ladybird, like its spiritual meaning. And I looked it up, and like my heart just sank. So I Googled it what does seeing a ladybug symbolize? Seeing a ladybug may be a sign of good luck. So I don't know who was looking over us. I mean, I think it was more someone looking over my flatmates, that that couple. I think someone was looking over them and protecting them because the ladybug landed on them both or, or two ladybugs landed on each of them. Oh, they both had a ladybug land on them. And then I guess, yeah, like my granddad sort of showed me he was protecting me in his own little ways. And I wasn't going to talk about this at all. I didn't want to. It felt too fresh. And we still have to walk through the village and like go past the site. Like I'm too scared to actually go to the site where the people were killed. The other difference in living in North America is that in New Zealand, they wouldn't show the crime scene. They wouldn't show any bodies. But here they do. So when we were looking it up, trying to see if we were safe or not, we saw videos of the bodies lying still on the road on Twitter. So that's an image you're not going to get out of your head anytime soon. Um, but I was going through my phone yesterday. I can't remember why. I think I had a note in there that I was talking to Dan about. Like, I think one of us owed each other money for something. And I was just trying to find like the little note I'd made out of it. And my eyes cast past a note that I'd written on the night of the 12th of April so oh someone's gardening outside I hope they're not listening to this It'd be quite embarrassing um I'm gonna persevere I'm sorry if you can hear it I don't think you will if anything, it's just a little distracting for me, but I think we'll be absolutely fine. Um, anyway, I was going through my notes and caught this note from the 12th of April this year, which would have been almost exactly a month before I left to move over here. It said that I'd dreamt that there were terrorist bombings in India which is very specific I don't think that's happened oh well I 
read about that in the news. Um, oh my gosh, that noise is so loud. It must be right outside. This is the universe telling me I shouldn't say this next part. I'm going to go ahead anyway. I'm so sorry. Like, there's people staying here. I'm not going to find another opportunity to record when no one's home. And I'm also just in shock from what I read on this little, like, note from April. So this is the second part of the note. Also dreamt that I was on a golf course and I could hear light poppings like fireworks. Then saw there was a guy walking towards my area with a gun shooting and I tried to run away. The thing that gets me there is the golf course and like having to run away from that area because someone was coming towards where I was with a gun. So it wasn't like I saw someone shooting. It's like I was at a golf course. I heard gunshots, saw someone with a gun try to run away. So I don't know, I, I might be reading into it like 100%. And I said it to Dan and he was just like, uh, like there's a bit of him that's creeped out by it, but then he's also like, oh, it's still quite vague. Um, so I think, yeah, I think like I've been having lots of dreams about shootings. Definitely a subject that is in the news a lot right now with what's going on in North America. Um, it's just that golf course part because the car was abandoned next to the golf course and lit on fire it's just that part that gets me it's quite specific I don't remember having this dream at all I definitely remember having like lots of dreams of shootings but they were mostly like me walking down Wellington streets like if anything I thought something was going to happen in Wellington so yeah um yeah just like just a lot of coincidences for one event and a lot of coincidences that kind of lead into each other well there you have it that one was heavy so I'm just gonna leave it there and I, I do recognise that this one was a little bit longer than usual, so I really appreciate you sticking around. I'll see you tomorrow on my Instagram at Psychicish Podcast for question box time where you can share any questions or theories or thoughts or similar situations that you've had so I can share them with the rest of the listeners, all 39 of them. <laughs> Go take care of yourself, maybe put on a face mask or something, and just have a very good sleep. Do it for me, alright? I'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye!